0: Here's what I want to do uh, this weekend. I just want to take the time and I want to ask probably one of the most important questions that we could ever ask. And that's really what this series is about. Is there a purpose to my life? Is there a purpose to my life? And then the second question is kind of tied to it. And it's this. Do my decisions matter? Does it matter if I even make decisions or do I live in a world that's already determined? Right. And then. We're going to take one last question or one last application and say, okay, so if the, the premise of what I lay down is true, then what do I do? What, what should my action be as I leave this place? What, should it, what difference should it make? Okay, So what I want to do is I want to, want to get you encouraged right away. So I want to read some really dark, uh, no hope, uh, philosophies of life that many people hold today in our world. This first one is from Bertrand Russell, and he says this. Man is a product, uh, that man is a product of causes which uh, had no provision uh, of the end they were achieving, that his origin, his growth, his hopes and his fears, his loves, his beliefs, are but an outcome of accidental collocations of atoms. That no fire, no heroism, no intensity of thought and feeling can preserve an individual life beyond the grave. That all the labors of the ages, all the devotion, all the inspiration, all the noonday brightness of human genius are destined to extinction in the vast death of the solar system. And that the whole temple of man's achievement must inevitably be buried beneath the debris of a universe in ruins. All these things, if not quite beyond dispute, are yet so nearly certain that no philosophy which rejects them can hope to stand. Only within the scaffolding of these truths, only on the firm foundation of unyielding despair, can the soul's habitation henceforth be safely built. Isn't that a cheery thought? And essentially what Russell is saying is, there is no purpose to life. Nothing that you do really has meaning. And the fur- the sooner you come to grips with that, the better. Because you're going to live an honest life, and that's the way you should live. Let me give you one more. This is uh, written by Stephen J. Gould, a paleontologist. He writes this. We are here because an odd, one odd group of fishes had a peculiar fin anatomy that would transform into legs for terrestrial creatures. Because the earth never froze entirely during the ice age. Because a small and tenuous species arising in Africa a quarter of a million years ago has managed... So far, to survive by hook or by crook, we might yearn for a higher answer, but none exists. This explanation, though superficially troubling, if not terrifying, is ultimately liberating and exhilarating. We cannot read the meaning of life passively uh, in the facts of nature. We must construct these answers ourselves uh, from our own wisdom and ethical sense, there is no other way. And essentially he's saying the same thing that Russell is basically saying, is that we're accidents and, you know, there there really isn't any meaning or purpose. We're just kind of lucky that we're not. We're lucky we're here, basically. William Lane Craig, who is a Christian philosopher, basically answers this. He uh brings... These two philosophy well, it's really one philosophy, two men with the same philosophy. He says, if God does not exist, then life is objectively meaningless. But man cannot live consistently and happily knowing that life is meaningless. So in order to be happy, he pretends life has meaning. But this, of course, is entirely inconsistent, for without God, man and the universe are without any real significance. And what, Cle- what William Lane Crane is, Craig is, Lane is saying is this. He's saying, if you don't have, if you don't know your life purpose, if you don't believe there is a purpose to life, then you can say, uh, well, I'm gonna just say there is no purpose to life and I'm gonna live consistently. He says it's impossible. It's, it's an absolute impossible. You're fooling yourself if you think you can live that way. So here's here's the the principle that I think is taught in Scripture, and I'll, I'll back this up in a moment. That life only has meaning if there is a loving Creator giving it purpose. Life only has meaning if there's a loving Creator giving it purpose. That's the only way that we can find meaning in life. I firmly believe that life does indeed have a purpose. Only as we connect with our Creator in heaven do we find and as we cr- connect with our Creator in heaven, we find our created purpose. So there is a purpose to life, and there is a Creator in heaven. Before God uh, created you, He decided what role He wanted you to play here on earth. He knows exactly how He wanted you to serve Him. He perfectly designed you to serve Him. He formed you and shaped you perfectly. So, you know, uh, uh, one of the great verses, I mean, probably one of the three of my favorite verses are found in the book of Ephesians chapter 2 because 8 and 9 talk about how salvation is a gift from God. We don't earn it. It's given to us as a gift. We just receive it. And then verse 10, it's basically saying, so now that you know that there is a Savior and now that you know that you can't earn it, that it's a gift, and once you give your life to Him, here's the plan. And this is what he says in verse 10. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So it's saying there is a creator. He has a plan for us. You are God's masterpiece. You're created to serve Him. He planned you long ago. This means before you were even born, you were custom designed, mastercrafted, a custom design, master crafted, a one of a kind, original masterpiece. Now, this has some implications. This verse has implications. The first one is you're not an accident. I mean, both the quotes I read at the beginning basically says you're basically an accident. You know, you're, you're just an accident and you're lucky to be alive. And the sooner you accept that, the better. But this verse says, this, there, this, there are no accidents with God and you are not an accident. You didn't evolve. You were created. You aren't a random product of the universe. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. There are no accidents with God. So in our small group, we're going through this... Um, um, why am I, what, what am I on earth? What, why am I here on earth? It's purpose driven life. It's Rick Warren's small group. And we, we had our first thing. And I, I read the quote and I thought this was a great quote from Rick Warren out of that study guide. And he says this, there are accidental parents, but there are no accidental births. There are unplanned pregnancies, but there are no unpurposed people. God wanted you in this world. You are not an accident. Maybe that's the only thing you need to hear today. Maybe, maybe everybody keeps telling you you're no good. You don't mount to anything. You can't do anything. You, you shouldn't even be here. I just want you to know there's a God in heaven that says, you, no, no matter what people tell you, you are not an accident. Number two, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. God handcrafted you. He has a plan. Uh, he had a plan for you before you were even born. Notice what the psalmist says. You created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know this full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. So God, not only are you you you, you not an accident, but you're fearfully and wonderfully made, designed by God, one of a kind, a masterpiece. And then number three, your life has a plan. Notice what the psalmist says in Psalm 139, verse 16. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Now, this is an interesting verse because it basically says that God had a plan and my days were written before I was even born, which makes me wonder of, well, does that mean that I don't have any choices and all that? We'll get into that in a minute. But uh, we get our we get our philosophy of life many times from the movies, right? We get our view of God, we get our view of the world, and one of uh, one of the movies, and this was long uh, quite a while ago. There was a series of movies called Back to the Future. Some of you've not seen it, some of you have, but you know it was about Marty McFly and Doc, and he invented a time machine, and they went, you know, Marty went back in time, and there's three movies, and in one of the movies. Apparently it's the third one somebody told me last night and I told them I didn't really care uh, I told them before don't tell me which one because I don't care But then they went and told me anyways and apparently just to get me annoyed and they did uh, but that being said uh, In the movie basically Marty basically asked the doc What is the purpose uh, you know, w- w- what about choices and all that? And he says this. This is the quote that Doc Brown gives Marty. And it's our pop culture's philosophy of life's purpose. He says to Marty McFly, The future is whatever you make it, so make it a good one. The future is whatever you make it, so make it a good one. And that's the philosophy that many people have. I, You know, I have the... The, the ability to make a good future, so make a good one, and wouldn't you say that's wise advice to give your children? You would say, "Yeah, of course, you know, the, the, the future uh, is whatever you make it, so make it a good one. Now here 's the problem. The struggle that we have is this: Some of the verses we looked at says, "My days were ordered, my days were already planned before I was even born." And yet, some there are verses in the Bible that say that my 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 decisions are important my, I will be held accountable for my decisions and my choices and things like that. How do those fit together? so the struggle we 're touching is this: Do my choices matter? Do my choices matter? Do your choices matter or and do we determine our destiny or do we live in a fixed universe where our choices really don't matter? It doesn't really matter what you do because you're kind of part of a machine and it's just going to end up happening no matter what you do. Now, if you take the philosophy that your choices determine your destiny then there's a lot of weight on every choice you make, right? Because if you make a terrible choice, a bad choice, a horrible choice, uh, it doesn't even have to be a horrible choice, it could actually be a decent choice, you could wreck your life, you could destroy your life because you just set yourself up to be in the wrong place in the wrong time and uh, you now have gone down this path and there's nothing you can do. And so that leads to kind of a, a, a I don't want to make a choice because if I make a choice, I may make a wrong choice, Right? So the question we're asking is, am I free or is God sovereign? If God is sovereign, then what difference do my choices make? If God has a plan for my life, then what difference do my choices make, right? And essentially, that's the wrestling match we have. But here's here's what I found. The Bible holds both of these these truths in tension. It basically says that we do have a free choice and we are responsible for our choices. And it does say that God is sovereign. He has a plan for every one of our lives. Now, here's, here's where it gets a little tenuous Think of free choice as being one rail on the on the uh, railroad tracks and God's sovereignty being another rail. When we look at them separately here they make perfect sense, but when we look down the line they kind of come together and they come together in eternity. They come together in God, right in God's mind. And when we try to put them together now, they just don't work real well. And that's just the tension, the mystery of it. And so the Bible holds both of these, God's sovereignty and our human freedom, to choose intention. Now, let me give you an example of that. Notice uh, Proverbs sixteen nine says this. We can make our plans, but God determines our steps. Now, what is the writer saying here? He's saying your plans are yours. Your choices are yours. You are responsible for them. No one is forcing you. God isn't forcing you uh, to go in any one direction. If you do something stupid, something selfish, something cruel, something evil, it's on you. People will hold you accountable, and they should. God will hold you accountable, and He should. But what actually happened as a result of those plans... What actually happens in your life and in history, whether they're words or deeds, are absolutely controlled and totally fixed by God. <laughs> now, if you're getting confused, you're, you're you're tracking with me. Okay? That's working. In other words, God can take my bad choices and still work out His perfect will. Uh, let me give you another example. So, on the day of Pentecost... Um, Jesus has ascended into heaven, and he says, go and share the gospel. And the disciples begin to speak to the Jews who have gathered at Pentecost and Day of Pentecost, and they're sharing the gospel. Essentially, Peter's message is this. We've been waiting for the Messiah. He came. His name was Jesus. You murdered him. That's his message, okay? That's his message to the people. And in the midst of that message, he says this in verse 223 of Acts. God knew what would happen. And his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you, Jews, nailed him to the cross and killed him. You see what Peter is saying? Peter is saying God had a plan long ago that Jesus Christ would come to earth. It included his brutal death, that his son would die a brutal death, and and that uh, the Jews and the Gentiles would carry it out. This evil plan was totally, they were totally responsible for it. So in other words, what Peter is saying is, God had a plan that Jesus Christ would come to earth and die for our sins. And he used you to carry the plan out. You and your evil plans murdered him you crucified him well, as a common criminal you executed him on a cross now what he's saying here is god had a plan but you're absolutely responsible for your actions you can't excuse yourself you can't say well that was god's plan i didn't have a free choice i felt you know god twisted my no nobody twisted your arm you chose to do this and you're responsible for that and you take the risk. you have to take responsibility for this but it was part of god's plan let me give you another example in uh, the Old Testament, uh, you know the story about many of you know the story about Joseph. He was sold by his brothers into slavery, and so at the end of the book, in chapter 50, uh, I think it's verse 20, uh, the brothers come to Joseph and they say to Joseph, um, "We're uh, Dad told us to tell you not to kill us." <laughs> to seek revenge because they were afraid while dad's alive joseph won't do anything but now that dad's gone they're going to kill you know, joseph's going to kill us right and so they come to joseph and they say dad told us don't kill him don't kill us okay now he didn't say that and so joseph says something very interesting his words are like this and it essentially he says he says what you did you meant for evil you sold me as a slave. You are responsible for what you did. But God turned it out for good. You see what he's saying here? He's saying God sovereignly over, overturned your evil deeds and brought out good because our family, the nation of Israel ultimately is preserved because of, you. but he used your wicked deeds to do it. Now, that doesn't exonerate you from what you did. You're responsible for those deeds, but I, God was able to superintend over that. Now why is this important? It's important because your choices matter your plans are important And you will be held accountable for your words your decisions and your actions But we also know that god is able to overcome bad choices And he's able to overcome wrong choices and 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 bad behavior and still bring out his perfect will I don't know how he does it, but he's able to do that so, um That gives us confidence, so when we make decisions, we say, uh, you know, sometimes we make a decision, I don't know what decision to make, we you know, have confidence that God can take our decisions and do good things through them. Now, even when we do evil things, we're responsible, we're going to be punished, maybe here and now, and maybe later on, for our words and our actions, but ultimately God is sovereign over that, so it helps us to see uh, that there, there's this, this working together of, of how God can overrule our decisions, but we still have freedom to make decisions. Now, let me summarize what I've said so far. Life without God is meaningless. But life with God brings purpose and meaning. That God is a, has a custom design plan for each and every one of us. He's perfectly created us to serve Him. And our choices, our decisions, our actions... Matter They matter They make a difference Now how in the world Do you find your place So the question is If it's true that God exists That he created everything That he created us in his image That he has a purpose and a plan for our lives That our decisions matter Then the next question we should ask And that he has a perfect plan for us That it seems to me that the takeaway That we ought to have this weekend is saying I should figure out what that plan is I should figure out what God wants me to do. How do I do that? How do I figure out what God wants me to do? That's what we're going to spend the little bit of time we have left on. All right? So the question is, how can we find our place in God's perfect plan for us? How do we do that? Um, This is a quote from, uh, I think it's yeah it's Rick Warren from that uh, Purpose Driven Life. He says this, God designed each of us So there would be no duplication in the world. No one has the exact same mix of factors that make you unique. This means no one on earth will ever be able to play the role that God planned for you. So my point is this. As we discover our God-ordained purpose, we become the masterpiece He designed us to be. So the question is, how do we do that? How do we do that? And so Rick Warren has come up with a good Tool to use to help us discover ourselves in God's plan, alright? And that plan, He uses the acrostic shape. And so, uh, we're gonna just walk down through that concept of shape for the next few minutes. The first one is S stands for spiritual gifts. The Bible says that when we cross that line of faith, when we call upon Christ, when we ask Jesus to come into our lives and to be our Savior, when we give our life to Him, uh, when we step across that line of faith, we not only receive the Holy Spirit, but we receive a spiritual gift. And 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 that's really important. So the question is, what is your spiritual gift? Um, everyone has been given a spiritual gift. And you say, you know, Pastor, it's the first time I've heard this or I've heard about spiritual gifts. I don't really know what my spiritual gift is. Well, as you leave today, we have these. The the host will be handing these out if you want one. And it's a spiritual gifts inventory. You just take about 10, 15 minutes, fill this out, and it will give you an idea of what your spiritual gift probably is. And And, and it will help you to... Do that discovery. So that's the first thing. You can do a spiritual gifts inventory. And that will help you to say, what is God's plan and purpose for my life? Well, if you don't know your spiritual gift, then you're not using maybe something that God has given you that uh, you should be using. The next thing is your heart. The question we're asking here is, what are you passionate about? You know, it may be, who are you passionate about? Maybe you're passionate about working with with uh, children, you know, or babies. Maybe you like working with uh, the elderly or the teens. Or you like to work multiculturally. Uh, you like to work in third world countries. Maybe you have a heart for those who are hurting. You have a heart for the poor. You have a heart for maybe people who are struggling with um with um uh cancer or there you know you like you want to work with the dying or the poor the, the terminally terminally ill or the sick you, you just have a heart for those people and you just want to minister to them well that's you're that's part of what god how god shaped you uh so you know in a sense your heart will have a part to playing it. So what I'm saying is this is kind of a complex thing, but little by little as you figure out what your spiritual gift is and you figure out what your heartbeat is, uh you'll you'll start to feel where you know, you'll start to get where you fit, fit. Uh, abilities. You may have natural abilities. Uh, maybe you have abilities or skills. Maybe you're musical. You know, you, you're very good. You know, you have a good voice or you can play an instrument and you, you, you have a musical ability. Or you're good with your hands. You're a craftsman. You, you, you are able to build things. You're able to do things. Maybe you're good with numbers and technology. You know, you're able to, uh, Understand those type of things. Or maybe you have uh, leadership abilities or you have administrative gifts. Um, what is it that you naturally bring to the table? Something that you're just generally, you're just good at and other people tend to look at you and go, I don't know how you get that. The, third, or the fourth thing is personality. Now, some of you here uh, this morning are, are feelers. You approach the world with your heart. And then there's nothing wrong with that, you just do. And you have a way of just percepting where people are at. And you, you connect with people, uh, uh, through that way. And you, you know, you can sense what people are going through. You can, you get that. And you, feelers get feelers and they know what that's all about. Some of you are here and you are more thinkers. You approach the world with your head. Nothing wrong with that. You're just different, and there's it's designed a continuum. So we're not like all you know. You're not all over here, over here. You, there's shades of that, but you're you're more of a thinker, and you you are more you know you're more rational, more critical thinking, and logical, and and nothing. There's nothing right or wrong. I'm just describing here. And actually, when I started talking the first part of the message, you go, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, this is good stuff. And then the, the if you're a feeler, you're going, really? I don't know if I really think this is, you know. It, and I get that all. Some of your storytellers, your communicators. Well, here's the point. God wants you to use your personality. Because your personality is unique. And your personality is going to be able to reach people that I can't reach, that your neighbor can't reach, your friends can't reach. They're, you're going to be the one that God's going to bring, and you're going to have this personality that you're going to connect with somebody. And you're going to find that there's, a, there's a mutual connections that you have that you're able to minister and help other people. The last thing he talks about is experiences. Some of you may be right now going through a difficult time. Many of you have gone through it. Many of you would say, "If I don't have to go through what I went through in 2015, I'll be happy. If it can just be a normal year, because it was a really difficult, dark year. I went through some really difficult things. Physical. Uh, I, I lost people who were very close to me. I just, it was a really difficult year. I, am I, I'm, I'm still. I, I don't know if I'm coming out of it yet. I'm, I'm." Maybe you're struggling with, or you were with somebody who is struggling with a terminally ill disease. But you, you, you say, or you struggle with depression, or you've struggled with depression. Or, but you, you have had a unique experience where you have really hurt. You've been hurt and you are, and you've been through and God is, is healing you and He's healed you. And now when somebody comes to you and, and you meet them and you connect with them and you see them struggling with something that you went through, that dark tunnel, and you know they're just heading into it or they're in that tunnel, you go, I think I can walk with you through this. Because I can't say, and most of us can't say to most people, I know what you're going through. Because we don't know what you're going through. But if you suffered through chemotherapy and you suffered through a loss of, you know, you know, a spouse or something, you can say to somebody, I know what you're going through. Are you feeling like this? Was this? Yeah, that's what I'm feeling. That's what I'm. And they get you, and you get them. And so sometimes God, I like what Warren says. Warren says God never wastes a hurt. And what he means by that is. That through those hurtful times, through those difficult times, whatever they may be, when we find somebody that is suffering or struggling with something that we've already been through, we can minister to them in a way that many other people can't. They don't even get it. So here's what I'm saying, essentially. God has masterfully designed you. Your choices matter. You find your purpose and your destiny when you commit your life to Him. And follow Him. Life is not random. We don't live in a random universe. We aren't products of chance. Uh, we are created. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Your choices matter. And as you begin to discover your spiritual gift and your how God has wired you and how God is putting you together and how you're growing, you'll find your place here on earth and you begin to be the masterpiece he designed you to be and let me just tell you this that when you start functioning the way God designed you to function there is absolutely nothing like it on all the planet you'll go wow this is really cool imagine God using me in this way and he will the problem is this we are often too busy to stop and to say what am I doing why am I doing it? And this morning, I just want you to take time to ask that question. What am I living for? What is my life about? How did God design me? And go on a pursuit and figure that out because the the sooner you figure that out, the more joy, the more fulfillment, everything that you want in life, you'll just say, I just believe God is using me in powerful ways. And I, c- I can't... Say it's me, it's Him in or through me, and God wants to use every one of us that way, for we are His masterpieces created in Christ Jesus for good works. May God use us in that powerful way, each of us individually in the way God designed it. For there are no accidents with God. Let's stand, let's pray. So, Father, we do thank You that there are no accidents with You and that You do have a plan and a purpose for us. That we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That uh, you You have wired us and You're shaping us and You're making us into Your masterpiece. Help us to stop and just examine our lives. And with the busyness of life, may we stop and just say, God, what do You want to do with my life? What do you want me to do? What? How are you shaping me? What are you making me for? And Father, as we ask those questions, we pray that you would help us to take the steps that are necessary so that we can grow into be what you want us to be. Because when we do that, then we really begin to live. So may your masterpieces, as we... Leave this place. Grow to be what you've called us to be and impact this community the way you called us to impact this community. One life at a time. For your kingdom and our good, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.